I would like to look at Genesis chapter 4. I've spoken this word in Nern, but I want to look at, at it from a different angle. I knew we would be doing the communion, the Lord's table this morning. But I want to raise this title, The Challenges of Family Worship. Family worship is so important. We, we worship as a family and the church as a family. And I enjoyed walking in the door this morning, seeing smiling faces. And it, I, I don't belong to this church, but to see that coming from another church, it brings joy to my heart because I know I belong to a family. And that is the family of God. And as we look into the book of Genesis, the book of Genesis was written by Moses. Most likely it was written around 1446 BC. And you get those dates when you go into the book of Kings. It tells you about the reign of Solomon. And then it tells you when the children of Israel had come out of Egypt. So you can calculate these dates. Um, and I'm not going to read any of the modern dates that some, some of the dates that come out of some of the modern universities to dates. Uh, dates that come out of them. I'd rather look at the scripture and see what the scripture is saying. Uh, and mankind, the scripture gives us an idea that mankind is only 6,000 years old. That's what the scripture says. So we're looking at this book, and in the very first chapter of Genesis, we see God in his awesome power, and he's creating this universe. What he does is he creates darkness. Well, sorry, he's the author of darkness, but he creates light. So God brings light into existence. Not the sun, but the light. Then on the second day, remember the day is the evening and the morning. The second day, he separates the waters from above from the waters below. And then he's, the third day, God creates the plants and the trees. Look at the order of how God creates all this. It's absolutely mind-blowing. And then on day four, he creates the sun, the moon, and the stars. And, and the precision, for example, the moon itself, the exact precision, the, uh, the moon of it's out a couple of degrees. You would have mass tsunamis and all kinds of natural disasters. God is the intelligent designer that creates everything so perfect with such order. And of course... On the fifth day, he creates the birds and he creates the, the sea creatures. On day, day six, he creates the land animals. And of course, he creates man. Man is special. The crown of his creation. And God uses this word, let us. It's the word for God is Elohim. which means, It's the plural name for God. But yet, it's singular because there is only one God. But as I word a... Declaration of faith says that we serve one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's, we, we serve one God who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He's one person. Not, it's three persons, but one God. So here we have it. And then on, on the second chapter in Genesis, we get this expand, expanded summary of creation. We see God resting on the seventh day. And I thank God that he's made the seventh day a day of rest. We all need a day of rest. And during the French Revolution, what they tried to do was create a 10-day working week. But they ended up being sick. There was all kinds of issues. So even the atheists appreciate the seven days. Even they acknowledge it. Muslims take the Friday off. The Jewish people take the Saturday off. And we Christians take the Sunday off. 
So God has given us this. He set the standard. And why do we have the, this day? We have this special day set aside so we can worship him. Because he deserves to be worshipped. He has created everything so beautiful. And then, of course, he gives Adam charge of this garden with four rivers. And Adam's put in charge. And Adam is actually walking with God in the garden. And then God provides a wife for him. He didn't even have to go and look. But she's the only woman. When he's asleep, he does this surgery. Takes out his rib. The Hebrew means to take out his side. And makes Eve. She's called woman then. But Eve is created. A helper. Because when Adam is naming all the animals, he needs a helper. And he saw those animals, male and female. And then God has the first marriage of Adam and Eve. But then, when we get to chapter 3, there's a new character that comes out in the story, and this is the serpent. Most likely, the serpent has been taken control of by Satan. Because when you think of, of animals, dem demonic powers have gone into pigs. Remember the pigs that run off the, the cliffside? And so Eve has been tempted, deceived, and it's so sad. Sometimes we can easily be tempted and deceived. And so what I want to look at here this morning is that there are several compelling reasons to believe that Genesis chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, they are historical. They're not some kind of uh, a metaphor, as some people will try to claim. It is literal. It is history. And the only one that can tell you how it all began is God. Remember when Job and his friends have got problems, God is raising the question, were you there? Only God knows. The secular scientists weren't there, but God was there, and so he has revealed it to his servant Moses. So we know how it all began. This is beautiful. It's wonderful. So what we see is in chapter 2, this expanded summary. Then we see the fall of mankind, as we call it, but then we see the ways of Cain, who lived not by faith, but walked after the flesh. So this morning, I want to bring these three challenges. The first challenge is in the family. The second challenge is about faith. The third challenge is through failure. Just looking at seven scriptures. And let me read them this morning for you. Reading from the New King James translation. You can see I'm a bit old-fashioned. So I'll read from the New King James translation. Now, Adam knew his wife, Eve, and Eve, sorry. Now, Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Then she bore again, this time his brother Abel. Now, Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. So the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door, and its desire is for you, but you should rule 
over it. Quite powerful words there. So let us look at the first challenge is in the family. If you can, if, yes, that's it there. Let's look at this. And, and we got the, the scripture. Let me just read verses 1 and 2. Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Then she bore again. This time his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. We've probably heard this story in Sunday school. Probably we know it. You're, you're thinking, why preach about this? I, re- I already know it. But there's always something new that we discover from the Scripture. This chapter begins with a picture of great hope. Remember, they had fallen. They had been kicked out of the Garden of Eden. There's cherubims guarding the way. They can't get back. They had lost fellowship with God. And there's nothing more beautiful than having fellowship with God and being in the presence of God. It is so beautiful. They had lost it. In fact, the first husband and wife become a father and mother. Genesis is a book of beginnings. There's always the first, the first family, the the first child, the first father and mother. And so we have the first family of a man and a woman. I know our modern society have tried to turn God's ordained family system upside down, but, it, but God's word gives us the order. So we have a man and a woman, and this is the first family. And yet we have this word, new, Adam knew. That word's very interesting in the Hebrew language. It means to know intimately. It means to study that person. And also there's that synonym, to know someone is to have sexual intercourse. And so, so Adam had I made a commitment to know his wife. And it's important, if, we're having, if we have a family, we have commitment. It's important to have commitment in the church, that we commit our time in prayer, that we commit our time in reading God's Word, it's that we commit ourselves in doing good. So there's the commitment there. And from that commitment, a child is born. Suddenly there is hope. There's hope with a new life. And isn't it good when we hear good news, when we hear something exciting? My grandmother told me when I was born that she was singing and dancing in the streets. I don't know if she knew what it was going to be, (laughs) especially the first 19 years. But there's hope, there's joy. And Eve is the first person to experience the pain of childbirth, but also the joy of having a baby. Eve's feelings are seen, and she gives her son this name, Cain. And the name actually means, I have gotten. She has gotten something from God. Because God had promised that Satan would be crushed, be bruised. That was the promise through the promised seed. And she's maybe got her hopes up that maybe this child would be the promised seed. That's what she was maybe thinking. But little did she know that this child would be a murderer. And sometimes if we knew the future, we might, she might have seen you the future. She might not have had any children. But God knows the future. God knows what's going to happen. And so let's not be afraid. Let's not live in fear. So she's, get, she's acquired this child and she gives God the glory for it. It gives her confidence and we need to be confident in God. We need to know who he is. We need to know who he is. Be confident in his promises. And so Eve, you see, the, you see Eve, she acknowledges that the giver of this precious gift is God. 
She's, here we see a divine blessing. It brings joy to her life. And who can blame her for being excited about what God would do? And thank God that God, we are his children. And that the scripture says, behold, what manner of love the Father bestows upon us. Sometimes it says, lavishes on us that we should be called the children of God. And it's interesting that there were only two commandments when Adam and Eve were around. One of those commandments was not to eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. They had failed. Second commandment was to to be fruitful and multiply. So they weren't going to fail God in this. So there's confidence here. And I I believe we need to be confident in who God is. And yet, there came another baby and he's called Abel. Sometimes some people look outside the scripture and say that, that Cain and Abel were twins. I'm more concentrating on the scripture and what the scripture says. Uh, so, so here Abel comes. What does his name mean? His name means breath. It means vapor. It means perishable. In fact, this is foreshadowing what will tragically happen to Abel. His life will be cut short. Those boys grew up together in the same home. They received the same instructions. And sometimes we give our children the same attention, the same instructions, and they they can turn out very, very different. And this is what happens. These boys turn out to be very different. And I am sure that they had heard the stories about how Adam and Eve had fellowship with God in the garden, that beautiful fellowship, how Eve was deceived. And so here we have their careers. And when we think about this, the men had different interests. One is more interested in farming and agriculture. The other is more pastoral, interested in keeping sheep. Both jobs were important to the family to sustain the family. One would provide physical food. The other would help in the worship or the clothing of the family. Adam and Eve knew what it was to walk with God. They knew what it was to lose fellowship. And they were confronted by God. And then God actually kills an animal. Or maybe two animals, it doesn't say. But they were clothed in the skins of an animal. Or two animals, I don't know. But we know that an animal sacrifice was made. So did they teach these boys how to worship God and not to listen to Satan? Sometimes Satan can feed our minds with negative thoughts. He can tell you that you're not loved. He can tell you that you're no good. What you're doing is, is you're, you're, what you're doing is hopeless. He can feed you like that with those negative thought, thoughts. So we need to trust God's word. So what we see is the challenge in the family. And our church families have challenges. Sometimes we misunderstand one another. Um, Sometimes we get angry with one another. We have all these challenges in the family. But the most important thing is walking with God and having fellowship. But there's a second challenge, and this challenge is about faith. Looking at verses 3 and 5, so we got it there. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering. I like that. 
of the fat. And when I was in Germany, this big, big lady in Germany, when she would pray for the meal, she would always say, Lord, bless the fat. (laughs) Felt quite thin at the time, actually. So the second challenge is about faith. The scripture says very clearly in Hebrews 11, 6, it says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. Who's him? God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So if you do not have faith in God, you're not going to please him. And so what we see is here in verse 3, there's a season. And sometimes in life there are seasons, there are good seasons, there, there are prosperous seasons, there, there, are, there are seasons that might seem barren and dry. In Scotland, we, it's a long time since we've had a revival in Scotland when God was shaking the nation. He's done it in the past and he can do it again and sometimes it can, it can feel dry. And we want a season where God is just blessing. And so the season of the year was probably the ingathering of the fruits. Maybe the season where little lambs were born. Therefore, it's at this correct time an offering is brought to God. And that's what Cain and Nabal do. They bring an offering to God. And, but it's important to look at what is going on. Look at the heart of these two men. Cain brings the fruit of the ground. It's an offering of thanksgiving for the fruit that God has produced, which is good. Actually, the Hebrew word used here is for both Cain and Abel's offering can refer to any offering. Because remember in Leviticus, Leviticus 2, it talks about the grain offerings. So, so the, sometimes some people just focus on the offering of the blood sacrifice. But I want us to focus on the attitude and the heart of these two men. Verses 4, when you look at verses 4, what it's saying, Abel brought the firstborn suggesting the best and the fat of careful preparation. Think of the firstborn. Jesus was at the firstborn of God. Remember, he had no beginning or end, but he's called God's one and only son. And God sent his firstborn. In Egypt, it was the firstborn of the flock that was sacrificed. You start to see a spiritual dimension to this. When you think of Cain, remember he is a farmer. He had to work hard. He had to dig the ground. So sometimes he's looking at his brother looking after those sheep. There's no hard work in looking after some sheep. And and he's feeding the family with the food. And what, what is Abel doing? He's just looking after some sheep. And you can start to see where maybe resentment was building. But Cain had failed to see the spiritual picture. Going back when Adam and Eve had sinned in the garden, an animal had to be killed. And so without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. So, So Abel's focus is on the sacrifice, the spiritual. We know that Jesus, when he was hungered in the desert, he said that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And so we need to start looking at the spiritual. What is going on here? Therefore, he selects the best. He wants to give God his very best. And it's important that we're able to give God our very best. Not our leftovers, but our best. So Abel's offering has been accepted by God. But Cain's offering has been rejected. And we say, why? After all, God did not reject Cain's sacrifice because it was, wasn't an animal sacrifice. 
The situation goes far deeper. Remember in the Old Testament, they were bringing animal sacrifices to God, but their hearts weren't right. And God is saying, I've had enough of your sacrifice. I'm fed up with it. God is looking for the right heart. That's what he's looking for. And the best explanation of why Cain's offering is rejected is because of what's going on in his heart. In fact, the person bringing the offering highlights much more than the offering itself when you study it carefully. And yet the condition of Cain's heart becomes clear in his response to God's rejection. It's interesting what the scripture says in Hebrews. It talks about Abel. By faith it says Abel. See, Abel's bringing it in faith. Abel brings an offering to God, a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, it says in Hebrews 11.4. Through which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testified of his gift and through it, he being dead still speaks. But it tells us in 1 John 3, it tells us the character of Cain. It tells us the attitude. There's no faith in this man. It says not as Cain, who was the wicked one and murdered his brother. Why did he murder him? Because his works were evil and his brothers were righteous. So there you start to see a picture of what's going on in the heart. God sees the heart. God knows what's in the heart. And sometimes we, we can come to church and we can look wonderful, look at my face, uh, everything's all right. But you don't see what's going on in my heart. But God does. God knows what's going on. And so what happens is in verse 5, Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering. Now, there is no evidence of faith in Cain, as I said, and there's absolutely none. Cain's offering is basically saying, I know what you've said, God, but you have to take what I give you. And sometimes, I remember as a young Christian, one of the greatest things I struggled with is giving. That was the greatest thing I really struggled with, with giving. And I'm not, my wife knows I'm not one of those preachers that talks about money. And, and I was so upset about giving. I would just give God a pound in the offering. I thought I was doing God something wonderful. And then I had to learn some hard lessons when we pastored an African church. It was in Graz. And this African congregation had no money to give. And I, I realized if I don't sow into God's kingdom, then I'm not going to be blessed. And I had to teach them. And they didn't have enough money to pay the rent of their building. So every week they were in a different building. There was a hundred of them. And one time they were in this room for 60. You can imagine. And they're wanting to dance. And they're wanting to jump. <laughs> and then they take out their handkerchiefs and they're waving at you. trying to... <laughs> But God was teaching us a powerful lesson. Our washing machine broke down that day. And we had money for a new washing machine, so we had the choice of putting it in the offering or, or just keeping it and getting a new washing machine. We prayed to God, and the two of us, God spoke to the two of us, and so we, we gave it into the offering. Do you know what happened? When we came back from church, there was a new washing machine sitting at, at our door. My wife was a witness to that. And I mean, I could tell you different stories. And so I'm not just talking about finances here. I'm talking about our time, giving God our best. Sometimes we can get exhausted. We don't have time to pray. We don't have time to read the Word. But it's when we give God our very best, God has respect and He honors us for that. So that's the situation. There's sin there. I mean, there's, there's so much we could talk about. The sacrifice. 
Um, we, we have Abel's sacrifice. What does it show us? It shows he's penitent, he's trusting, he's submissive, his heart is right. There's a confession of sin, you could say. Cain was merely following a ritual. He had his own, his own, his own agenda, if you wanted. Cain was angry and his countenance fell giving a feeling of resentment. And sometimes we can get bitter. Sometimes we, we can get angry. I mean, God is always teaching us lessons. We, we haven't learned everything. Because just uh, myself and my wife, we needed a new pastor for Nern. We got a new pastor, Luke and Sarah. And we had to give up our house. And we have no home. <laughs> we had no car because our young fellow had it on its roof when we came back. Turn. And we're thinking, God, we're, we've given them, we're going to give them our house. And so our freezer's filled with food, our fridge is filled with food, we've nowhere to put it. But then we called on God. And someone that had left our church, that had fallen out with us, all of a sudden decided, you can stay in our house for the next two weeks. <laughs> and then someone gives us this old car, it's a two-seater, but it's still got us, got us about. And so we, I says to my wife, we need to be thankful for what God's doing. We could end up resenting this new couple, because we had given them our house. But we need to remember what they had given up. They've come from America with four children. And so these are important things. That sacrifice is so important, and we need to be willing to sacrifice and give our best to God. So what we've got is we've got the challenges in the family, and we've got the faith. So recognize the family is important. Recognize faith is important. But there's a third challenge here. And the challenge is through failure. Here it is. Let me read it for you. But he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. So the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door and it's desirous for you. But you should rule over it. Anger. You ever been angry? My wife's been angry at me. I've been angry at her. Let's be honest. We've been angry at someone. It gets there. But the scripture says, before you go to bed, before the sun goes down, get it sorted out. So if you're going to be angry, don't let it consume you or grab you. But Cain has got this anger. And God speaks to him about it. God addresses it. Asks him, why are you upset? And Why are you angry? And God does not give up on Cain. I think you see the mercy of God. He's not giving up. And sometimes we give up so easily in people. But he asks him the question to get him to change. And God wants us to change to be more like him. And God wants Cain to, re to repent of his attitude. His attitude stinks. And, and sometimes our attitude can be wrong. And God wants us to get it sorted out. And that's why he sends people along. I've had people come to me and tell me, oh, you're not, there's something wrong in your life, Derek. And, and I know it is. And I'm trying to deny it. And I'm trying to cover it up. But I can't because God sees it. And if I don't address it, then I'm not going to be walking in fellowship and blessing with God. And so God asks these questions, which implies that there's no just cause for Cain to be like this. Therefore, the Lord directs his attention in the next sentence to consider his ways and change. It's quite interesting. When I came in this morning, one of our brothers was talking about King David. 
And I mean, King David, <laughs> I mean, he had a man murdered. He commits adultery with another man's wife. And yet God says he's a man after his own heart. And sometimes preachers, we, we look perfect as if there's no sin in our life. And everything's going wonderful and we're like that as Christians. No, no. <laughs> when there is sin, get it sorted out. And there's a bishop in Milan that, that um, went, sorry, there was a bishop in Milan and one of his, his priests went to him and he says, I've committed the sin of David. And do you know what the bishop said? I believe it was Ambrose. And he said to him, do the repenting of David. Get yourself right with God. And so this is what Cain had to do. And if we want to be accepted, do what is well. God is getting Cain to retrace his steps. Find out where he's gone wrong. Find out and self-examine himself. God tells Cain that if he was right, he would be accepted. And so a right heart is needed. God warns him that sin's like a wild beast. Ready to pounce. It's at the door. And we make those choices. We're not robots. We've been given free will. And so, so if we open the door to sin, it comes in. And it's like a beast that will tear us apart. And so we have to be very careful and realize the destruction sin will cause. It was only a fruit in the garden. It wasn't an apple, by the way. Some people say, they keep saying you get these TV quizzes and it says it's an apple. But it's a fruit. That's what it says. And, and all it was, they took up the tree. It didn't seem a big deal. Sometimes sin doesn't seem like a big deal. But I tell you, sin destroys families. It destroys lives. It destroys churches. It destroys people. And so let's take it serious. And let's work with each other. When you see me doing wrong and I see you doing wrong, be open, be willing to be corrected. It's so important. And so our attitude must be right. This is, it's all about our attitude. If you do well, you will, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door and it's desirous for you, but you should rule over it. It's very clear what God is trying to say here. However, he has not considered his failure. He has not considered his attitude as a guilty sinner before God. In fact, he refused to walk in God's plan. So sin consumes his life. It eats away at him. Just like every other unbeliever. And we know which way Cain chose. Because he refused to repent and to do things God's way. So the arguments have all been presented. They've all been presented. Sin is deceptive. Sin is cruel. It will lead you along the garden path. It will entice you. And yet... There is one remedy for sin, and the remedy for sin is the blood of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. He shed His precious blood, and because He shed His precious blood, it has the power to forgive us. It has the power to set us free. It has the power to deliver us, and that is the answer to the sin question. Is Jesus' blood. And so the so okay. Abel's sacrifice is a picture of that. The Passover lamb is foreshadowing what Jesus would do. And he came and Jesus died as our Passover lamb for us. And because of the work of Christ, it is great that we can come here together today. Come and gather in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. The person who refuses to acknowledge their spiritual condition and repent cannot be saved. 
In fact, nothing more than this can be done by argument. Cain has heard the arguments. And sometimes with some people, you can tell them and tell them. You can quote scripture, but they'll block you out. They will not listen. And there is only going to be one result. And we know what the next part of the story is. What happens? So there we have the first challenge of a new family. About how they would worship God. So how are you going to worship him when you leave this place? Worship is not just about Sunday morning in church. Worship is every day. And, and how, we, how we come together as a family and how we worship him. It's so important. Abel came before the Lord with the right offering. A blood sacrifice. But Cain came with his own religion. Therefore Cain failed to please God with his offering. And he was rejected. That's a painful thing to think that God would reject you. But if you don't get it right with him, you have to get it right. We have to tell people. You just can't stick your hand up in a church and think that, that, that you're going to be all right. It's a daily walk with God. It's a daily walk. I mean, I messed up so many times. I've made so many mistakes. I remember the late senior pastor, Paul McLaughlin, he said, I'm a man of a thousand mistakes. That's what he said. So it's so important that our lives are right with the Lord this morning. In fact, God warns Cain to change or sin will destroy his life and his relationship. So here we have that, those three challenges. The challenges in the family about commitment, about having confidence in God and his promises. And being, and being able to be confronted. We have the faith. There's a, there's a season. We need to believe God in the dark moments, in the good times, the bad times. We need to put our faith in God. We need to put our faith in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and what he has done and the works that he has done on the cross. And again, we fail when we get angry. We fail when we do not trust God. We fail when we do not listen to God. And many a time I've ignored God. And do you know what? Our first year of marriage was one of the worst in our life. God told us to do something. We knew we had to do it. But the two of us didn't listen. What happened? It was the worst year of our life. But God brought us back out of his mercy and his goodness. So I leave these challenges of, of family worship. You're a church family. I leave those challenges for you this morning to meditate upon and think about. And I just want to, to pray as, as I close this morning. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that, Lord, you, you tell us about these Bible characters. Lord, so that we can learn. We can learn from their mistakes. We can learn from their good actions. And Lord, we pray that this morning is a morning where we're here to examine ourselves. Where we can love one another in this family, in this church, in this community. That Lord, your love will be flowing in, in our lives. We pray that Lord, we will not allow the enemy to steal the measure of faith that you have given us. And let our faith become like that mustard seed that grows strong. Lord, let us have that kind of faith, that childlike kind of faith, Lord, this morning. A faith that can move mountains of problems. That, Lord, we will not doubt you. 
the Lord, we will trust you. Though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, that we will trust you and we will know that you are with us. Lord, if you are for us, who can be against us? This morning we are trusting you. Trusting you for that miracle. You know what is in our heart. You know the prayer that we prayed this morning. You hear our cries. You're not a God that abandons us. But Lord, you love us. And so Lord, this morning, help us to have that faith. Help us to see our failure. Help us not to be proud. Help us to listen to other brothers and sisters. Help us to be corrected. Help us to be accountable in your sight. And this morning, Lord, I want to pray for people in this congregation that may be struggling. Maybe struggling with their faith. Maybe struggling in other areas of their life. I thank you that, Lord, when you left this earth, you sent the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit who dwells in us. The Holy Spirit that fell on the day of Pentecost. And Lord, when the Holy Spirit fell, Lord, you transformed lives. And Lord, I pray for another fall of the Holy Spirit that we can be bold, that we can be witnesses that can speak about you. Speak of a God that is all-powerful. Speak about a God that is able to walk in water. To speak about a God who heals the sick. To speak about a God who is still able. Lord, let your Holy Spirit fall. Let him move in our lives. Help us to have that boldness of the early church. Lord, at this time, I know Pastor Manuel has gone to Germany. And I just want to pray for him and his family. I pray that they will settle there, Lord, that you would meet all their needs. I thank you for the faith of that family. And I pray that you would undergo to meet all their needs in Christ Jesus. I pray for the new pastor that would come in, Lord. I pray that the new pastor would be a man of God, someone that loves you with all their heart, a man that loves your word, that will teach your word, that will, that will live by your word. So I pray that, Lord, you would have that going on. And I know that you're working in the background. Sometimes we don't see things, but I pray that you would prepare the right person, the right family for this church. Pray for the speakers that will come in during the next few weeks, that, Lord, you will anoint them, that they would bring your word, your word, because your word is a living word. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. We thank you for that living word. And help us to put on the full armor of God. The helmet of salvation. Help us to put on the full armor of God. Because we know that there's an enemy. And help us to take up the shield of faith. To quench those fiery darts that may come into our minds. Lord, I just thank you for this morning. I thank you for the privilege that I'm able to come here and share. And I give you all the glory and all the honor. And may your will be done. Amen.